0: Good morning. I want to remind you, as I have on several occasions, just our prayer bowl and our praise bowl. Uh, we've got now this year, we, we start, we'll start. we start fresh again at our focus dinner, which is the last Sunday of um, January. We'll start a whole other thing. But so far, there's been about 1,100 prayers that have been being prayed for over the year. Uh, they keep add, uh, keep adding. So if you have anything you want prayed for, if you fill it out, put it in the bowl here, you'll be prayed for immediately. And then cyclically, uh, probably about once a month for whatever that prayer request is, okay? So we're in Mark chapter 14, if you would stand, and we're gonna, I'm going to read some of the, we're going from verse 10 to 52, but this is going over the betrayal by Judas, which does not include all the verses, so I'm going to read some of them, I'll pray, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless us by giving to us ears to hear his word. So Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse, excuse me, Mark 14, beginning in verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Verse 17. In the evening, he came with the twelve. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? He answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Look at verse 41. Then he came the third time, Garden of Gethsemane, he's been praying, goes, prays, goes, prays with his disciples. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough, the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Verse 43. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. Verse 50, then they all forsook him, his disciples, and fled. So Lord, please take these things of your word, these things that are part of the whole plan, all the things that happened. Lord, the things I prepared, I'm asking Lord, to break them fresh, feed us, we're hungry, Help me to communicate your heart to your people according to your word. We love your word. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So please, Lord, bless this time in your word now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, you can be seated. So look at verse 50 of chapter 14. So they all forsook him and fled. Then verse 51. Now a certain young man followed him, that's Jesus, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Most uh, commentators believe that this certain young man was Mark himself, whose gospel we're reading. Jesus is forsaken by all. No one remained with him, not even Mark, who was really a courageous young disciple of Jesus. Not even Peter, who had convinced himself, but not Jesus, that he would never forsake him. They all forsook him and fled. He is alone. The betrayal by Judas this week and then the denials of Peter next week are woven together. They're given to us, we know, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Romans says. They were written for our learning that we, through patience, the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now, I look at this this Judas guy and it seems so far from that as far as comfort, patience, and hope. If it were not for our commitment to declare the whole counsel of God by systematically going through the whole Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, if it weren't for that, I would, I would not choose to teach this perplexing enigma of a man named Judas Iscariot, the one Jesus called my betrayer. Now, some would have me believe, and you believe, that Judas never existed. That would be an easy way around him. Not gonna do that. Judas Iscariot is in the Bible. He existed. He was conceived in his mother's womb. He was born into the Iscariot family. He lived, was a disciple of Jesus, and then died by taking his own life. Now, three times in the book of, in this chapter, we're in verse, chapter 14, there are three different people, uh, disciples that are pointed out. We looked at Mary, our last study, memorial to his disciple Mary. This morning, the betrayal of his disciple Judas, and then next week, and these two are woven together, I believe, for our admonition and for our learning and for our patience and for our comfort. We have the denials of his of his disciple Peter, which is a, is a very very uh, deep and instructive and helpful uh, encounter. So Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray him. Betray means to give over or to deliver treacherously to aid the enemy. When the Jewish leaders and the Romans wanted to take Jesus, they paid one of his followers, Judas, to betray him. They arranged for a signal from Judas. He was to identify Jesus by kissing him in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word used for kiss in the language, was not a short peck on the cheek, but a fervent and long kiss, which makes it so much more hideous to think about what went on here. In return for this betrayal, Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver. Judas Iscariot is thus the symbol of betrayal and treason. The 30 pieces of silver has become the way of saying blood money. An act of betrayal has shown to be to be known as a Judas kiss. And then similarly, a Judas goat is the animal that leads a flock to the slaughterhouse. In American history, there's a man who wanted to be famous, and he became famous, but for all the wrong reasons. You've probably heard his name. If you don't, you might not know much about his life, but you've probably heard of Benedict Arnold. He is a name that brings to mind betrayal and treason. But listen. He actually was a gifted man and a great soldier. All he ever wanted was to be accepted and respected, but in trying to achieve that, he actually caused no one to trust him and no one to accept him. He was a general during the American Revolutionary War who fought under George Washington. Benedict Arnold was passed over for promotion. He was falsely accused by his rivals. He was deferred from those who could help, including George Washington, and deprived of the recognition for his accomplishments. He wouldn't admit that he had caused any of his problems. He always blamed someone else. He finally decided to get revenge by switching sides to help the British. In fact, while he was the commander of West Point, he plotted to surrender it to the British. Before that happened, Lost my point here. (laughs) A British spy was captured carrying papers that exposed his treason. Now, Benedict Arnold barely escaped. The British rewarded him, but they never completely trusted him. He was never given any important military commands. So Arnold has been called the best general on both sides of the conflict. He earned a name for himself, Traitor. Now, there's other, this other, another well-known man is William Tyndall. He first translated the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English. He made a Bible for the common people. In 1535, he was betrayed by a friend, taking a prisoner to the castle at Vilford. He continued, though, to work on his translation. He was unable to finish his work because he was sentenced to die a heretic's death. Strangulation and Burning at the Stake on October 6, 1536. So in all these listings that we have of the 12 in the Bible, it's interesting and I think instructive that Judas is always the last on the list. These were written afterward. The synoptic gospels contain many of the same accounts. So 90% of what is found in either Matthew or Luke comes from Mark. However, the gospel of John 90% 90% of that is new. So in these gospel accounts, Judas has mentioned each one of them. We're going to try and weave them in as we're looking at these things. Judas is, is identified by Matthew in the end of these lists and Mark as Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. That's how he's labeled. On the other hand, Luke says Judas Iscariot which also became a traitor. So all these are little tidbits that might help us put together what was going on with this guy named, named Judas. In John chapter 12, verse 6, then he said, Not that this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, speaking of Judas. And he had the money box and he used it to take what he what was put in it. So he was a thief. we given to that, that information. Now, adding to the mysteriousness of this whole thing is that some of the things are prophesied in the Old Testament. For example, in John chapter 13, Jesus said, I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. So this prophetic verse in the Old Testament, Jesus quotes it in Psalm 41 verse 9, even my own familiar friend whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now he's probably talking about someone else uh, uh, at the time, but it's also pointing forward because Jesus says that. In Acts chapter 1 verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So we'll look at this passage in a moment, but in Psalms 69 and 109, we have these prophecies that are tied to Judas Iscariot. And each one of these Psalms were written by King David and spoke of his enemies. So you might say they were written by Israel's king and those who opposed him you apply that to, to Judas Iscariot, that's exactly Israel's king opposed by this man named Judas Iscariot. Now, there have been many conjectures as to why Judas betrayed Jesus. I'm probably not gonna, I'm not gonna clear that up for you, but I'll give you some, some of the conjectures. Some say it was for pride that Judas was probably the only Judean of the 12, the other 11 being Galileans. Judeans considered Galileans to be, quote, unquote, country bumpkins, and so Judas thought himself superior, to the point of eventually finding fault even with Jesus. So some would say it's pride. I would say to you, it certainly has its root in that. All sin does. Some would say for anger and resentment, Judas loved his country and Jesus had failed his country. He became disillusioned, leading to impatience, resulting in anger and resentment that led him to betray the Son of God. Some say for power and fame, that he did it to force Jesus' hand in overthrowing Rome. Others say for greed, he did it simply for the money, 30 pieces of silver. In the Bible, there are betrayals where motive is much clearer. Absalom's revengeful betrayal of his father King David, Delilah's betrayal of Samson, Joab's betrayal of Amasa, Daniel's betrayal by a whole host of envious government officials in Babylon. But of all the betrayals in all of history, none compares to Judas's betrayal of Jesus. Not even close. It was a satanically devised and driven sinister doing on the part of Judas. But listen to this. It came with God putting his own twist on it. Because in God's doing, he's bringing about the destruction of Satan, the victory over sin and death, and the salvation of souls. So part of what God had in his his plan, he knew would happen. In Acts chapter 22, again, the early church, him... Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, delivered, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by. So this is God's doing, and yet God holds man responsible. And yet God accomplished the salvation of our souls through it. I love what John Piper writes. Quote, betrayed by Judas... Denied by Peter, abandoned by the 11, forsaken by God. Darkness, you get one hour, then you die, unquote. This is God, this is the, dark, the hour of darkness that God had a plan to take care of all the darkness. Judas, Judas this is another interesting, Judas, Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. He identified him with the same name that will be identified the coming Antichrist. So in John chapter 17, Jesus said, while I was with them, he's praying to his father, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. In 2 Thessalonians, the only other time you find this phrase, the son of perdition, this this person let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. So it indicates that the same evil that filled the heart of Judas, giving himself over to Satan himself to take control of his mind, to take control of his soul, that he would, he would give his body over to betraying Jesus, that same evil will fill the heart and drive the evil of the coming Antichrist. This quote. While Jesus' name is the name above all names, Judas' Judas's name can be said to be the name below all names. The name Judas is, I didn't know this, the name Judas is so associated with betrayal that it's illegal to name your child Judas in Germany. Now, knowing how this name itself, it's not a name that's used a whole lot. And so by way of compiling, if you would, a summary, a summary and reviewing of the Gospels, Judas is named 24 times in the Gospels. Two times in the book of Acts. And here is what is written. In the book of Acts, he's, laid, he's off the pages. He was surnamed, Judas, surnamed Iscariot, the son of Simon. Simon. He was born he was a son born and raised in a family he probably had siblings. Jesus called Judas to be one of his disciples. Jesus identified him as one of the 12. Jesus called him my betrayer. Jesus also called him friend during the betrayal. Jesus pronounced woe on him. He said it would have been good if that man had never been born. Jesus called him the son of perdition. He was a thief. He had the money box and would steal from him. He became a traitor, which Jesus knew he would do. He, wanted the chief, he went to the chief priest to plot this betrayal. They promised to give him money. He promised to deliver them to Jesus, Jesus to them. He sought then an opportunity when he might conveniently betray them when there were no crowds around. Self-preservation. On the night he betrayed him, Judas was with Jesus at the Passover table. Jesus told the disciples that one of you is a devil. Satan had already put it in his heart to betray him. Satan entered Judas after he received the bread from Jesus. He entered Judas, excuse me. He became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He stood with those who arrested Jesus. He betrayed Jesus in the absence of the multitudes. He betrayed Jesus into the hands of sinners. He betrayed Judas with a, Jesus with a kiss. He was remorseful, but I suggest he was not repentant. He did not repent and would not repent for what he was going to do and did. He committed suicide by hanging himself. In the book of Acts after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, in obedience to Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem while they're waiting for the promised Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. He said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled. You have that? Which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus for he was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Interesting. Verse eighteen. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Oh, now that's yuck, yuck, yucky. <laughs> Somebody he hung himself, on the rope broke and fell. Not sure exactly. It became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called, in their own language, a keldama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, let no one live in it, let another take his office. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship, notice, from which Judas, by transgression, fell. It could have been his. He was called into that, but he sinned, unrepentant, that he might go to his own place. Where did he go to his own place? Where did he go where he belonged, another translation? What might that mean? Was there a place specifically for Judas, who committed the the damnable crime of betraying the Lord? We know that hell is not a place of isolation. It's a place of shared torment by all those who have rejected Christ. Is Judas there? Or is he in another place? We really don't know. All we know for certain is what God has revealed in his word, that he might go to his own place. The Bible tells us that some kind of hell is the awfulness of Judas's final eternal damnation, a fate of his own choosing. Hell is real. It's a real place. There is judgment coming for those who reject Christ. The Bible also tells me, though, that there's some kind of heaven in my future, a promised eternal destiny, simply because I I have repented and I believe the gospel. I've confessed Jesus Christ. I am safe and secure In my salvation, I am assured of what Jesus accomplished for me. I've come according to the gospel, the foolishness of the message preached that saved my soul from sin, death, and hell. I hope and trust that's the same for you. That's our security, that's our salvation. He is the captain of my salvation. Is He your captain? Don't, like Hebrews says, Hold fast that confidence. Don't you let the devil rip you off. Don't you let the devil take you down these roads that are not true. We are on that that narrow road that leads to eternal life because we're following Jesus Christ. He's my great and faithful high priest. So I conclude in part that Judas was identified with Jesus, but by his own choosing did not want to belong to Jesus. I think of 1 John where he writes, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. So in the church, in these gatherings, Judas has this, also this place that's somewhat mysterious. But he went out from them. So eventually, there came a time when all that was in his heart was exposed for who Judas really was or what he had now become. For three plus years, Judas had been with Jesus, day in and day out, up close and personal. There were only 12 chosen. He walked and sat and ate and rested with Jesus. He heard all his sermons. He saw all his miracles. He witnessed the love of Jesus, his compassion on the crowds, his mercy and truth. And then at some point, Judas turned and acted against Jesus, and the rest is history. Judas went to the chief priest to betray Jesus. He became in league with Jesus' enemies. In, math, in Luke we read, then Satan entered Judas. The ultimate enemy is Satan himself. Satan entered Judas, Luke 22 surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. In John chapter 13, and supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. That literally means he threw it into his heart to betray him. Satan did. Judas sat at the table with the other disciples on the night he betrayed him. In Luke, it says, Jesus said, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table. In verse 19 of chapter 14, they began to be sorrowful and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And then in Matthew tells, Then Judas, who was betrayed him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said. Getting a sense of what's going on here in the upper room? In John chapter 13, we read, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, John. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask who it was whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it? And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, it was the custom for the host at a banquet to take a piece of bread, dip it in the sauce, and present it to the guest of honor. So some suggest by this gesture, Jesus makes Judas his guest of honor. He extends to him a token of friendship. That's the grace of God. He's extending grace to Judas, a last appeal, if you will, to all that was human in him. Judas' gate was given every opportunity to change his mind. In John chapter 13 again, Now after the piece of bread Satan entered him, then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Then having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately and it was night. Judas's choice brought him under full control of the devil himself. He made a choice to yield himself to this evil. The plot was found out, now he must get on it, act quickly. So he became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, in Mark fourteen thirty two. Then they came to the place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, "Sit here while I pray." And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch." Then he came the third time, and said to them, "Are you still sleeping?" And resting, it's enough. The hours come, behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, see, my betrayer is at hand. And so Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to, to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. In Matthew, read, Jesus said to him, Friend, have, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. In Luke, Judas, one of the twelve, drew near to him to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas... Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? This is crazy stuff. Judas stood with the enemies of Jesus in finalizing his betrayal. In John 18, Jesus went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas who betrayed him also knew the place For Jesus often met there with his disciples. This is an intimate place for the disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said there, Tell them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Now he could have, Jesus could have just ended the whole thing right there. But he said to his disciples in another place, Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given to me? Now, with when he said this, they fell back, whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Always, always, always protecting his disciples. Knowing what was coming. That the same might fulfill which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I've lost none. Then we read that Judas, this is interesting too, was remorseful. In Matthew, when the morning came, and all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death, and when they had bound him, they led him away, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. Then we read in Matthew twenty seven, three, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it? Then they threw down the piece of silver in the temple and departed. Judas went and hanged himself. Are you encouraged? <laughs> Jesus said, the son of man indeed goes just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. God never sends a person to hell unless that person first chooses himself To deny God, to oppose God. Jesus chose and loved Judas, the one who betrayed him. Jesus stayed committed to Judas. He loved them to the end. Jesus did not condemn Judas to hell by compelling Judas to betray him, just the opposite. He was compelling him to repent. Jesus could not save Judas without a genuine repentance. God would choose that no one would be lost. He's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to uh, repentance. 2 Peter, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. This is our response to this kind, which Jesus had. If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance to acknowledge the truth. We have family, we have friends, we have people that we know that are opposed to God, are fighting God, maybe even hate God. But Paul says to Timothy, let's not quarrel, be gentle, able, teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition if God, perhaps, will grant them repentance to acknowledge the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will, which is exactly what happened to Judas himself. God will not choose for anyone. God will not violate the choices that we make. God created us with the ability to choose, and therefore he must and does respect the choices that we make. We're responsible. If you were to go up the street to the Kent Regional Justice Center and take a survey of the inmates there by asking them to respond to the following question, are you sorry for your crimes? I would venture to say that the majority percentage of them would write, yes, I am sorry for what I did. But if they were totally honest, what they are really saying is, I'm sorry that I got caught. Because they go right out and do the same thing. You see, they might have a little more cleverness to it, but their heart hasn't changed. The statistics for rehabilitation of criminals is staggeringly lacking. You see, what people need is Jesus. Need to come to Jesus. Paul draws a clear distinction between repentance and the sorrow of this world. In 2 Corinthians, he says, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. He's saying, you know, it was hard to write, but I'm glad I wrote it. It was hard to say, but I'm glad I said it. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. I never regret repentance and getting right with God. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Paul gives the clear observations that accompany repentance. Observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligent it produced in you. And notice it's a complete and lasting change in my action against sin. What clearing of yourselves, that means plea, is a complete and lasting change in my attitude towards sin. Is a complete and lasting change in my, my sorrowing over sin. What indignation. What fear. is a complete and lasting change in my respect of sin. This is repentance. This is what he's saying. This is what happens when you repent. True repentance. Godly sorrow. My action against sin. My attitude towards sin. My sorrow over sin. My respect for what sin can do is, is experienced through repentance. He says, What vehement desire, that longing for. You see, there's a complete and lasting change in my drive to overcome sin. I will do all I can to make sure it doesn't happen again. As believers, we understand we need the power of the Holy Spirit if any of these things are going to be lasting and change. But we have the Holy Spirit, we've been given the Holy Spirit. What zeal, there's, there's a complete and lasting change to not be deceived by sin. And then the vindication this is very important. In true repentance, there's this vindication. There's this complete and lasting change in that I accept the consequences for my sin. I did that and caused this, and now I have to work through that. I have to live through that, I have to understand that, I have to come to, and so then he wrote to the Corinthians, therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. We're doing, see, so God calls us to repentance as these things would be something that happened in our lives. So, Judas was exposed to the same spiritual privileges Yet in the end, they did no good. The same sun that melts the ice only hardens the clay. For three plus years, Jesus, here's, here's what I'm going to close with some couple applications. First of all, for three plus years, Jesus never started talking about Judas to anyone. Only to his heavenly father. He never said a word, not even a whisper, as to what he knew to be true of Judas. The other 11 disciples had no clue as to what was going on. Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They're thinking he sent them out to, get, to go get some bread and stuff for the meal. What well, you do, do quickly. It's telling fantastically about the love of God and Jesus himself and his relationship with Judas. He never never started talking about it with anyone. He was bearing it in his own heart. Such is the love of Jesus. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. God help us. Proverbs 17 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Judas was never a topic of discussion with anyone else, with Jesus. Instead, the discussion was about the goodness of God and the mercy of God, the miraculous things of God. Jesus extended grace to all of them, not just Judas, to all of them in understanding him and who he was. So not only he never started talking about Judas to anyone, but listen, Jesus never stopped walking with Judas. He walked with the whole thing to the Last Supper, knowing right up to the betrayal with a kiss, he said, friend, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? He walked with him the whole time, continuously available for relationship with him, even giving him, some would suggest, the seat of honor on that night he was betrayed. He never stopped walking with him. Jesus continued to love Judas, he loved him to the end. Eventually, there came that time when all that was in his heart was exposed for who, he re, who Judas really was or in whom he had become. And after those three plus years, Judas chose to depart from Jesus and the disciples. He chose to betray Jesus in the hands of sinners with a kiss. And Judas' choices resulted in being destroyed by the devil and lost, son of perdition. So, application for us this morning. I hope this helps, encourages you. If it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ... if it weren't for the saving grace of God, we would all be doomed to eternal separation from God, lost in sin and darkness. Here's what I would say. Jesus will always cover you. Only Jesus can sanctify and cleanse your heart. God's not chatting about you to anyone else. Jesus is not chatting about you to anyone else. He holds you dear and personal to his heart. Jesus will cover you. So confess to him, confide in him, stay close to him. Be quick to the cross, be bold to the throne of grace. That's where we find forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all sin. First John said, walk in the light as he is in the light. That doesn't mean we're walking pure. No, it means we're walking willing to be vulnerable and exposed to God for who we really are and for the work that he's really wanting to do. He will cover us. He will sanctify us. He alone cleanses us from all sin. Secondly, Jesus not only covers you, he will continue to walk with you. Dear believer, if you don't know him, when you do come to know him, he will walk with you. That's what eternal life is. Knowing Jesus Christ whom he sent. Listen, you and I need Jesus every minute. We need the great shepherd of our souls to shepherd and care for our souls. He will continue to walk with us. You need Jesus, the good shepherd, to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You need to look for him to lead you and then stay close in following him, the great shepherd prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Follow him closely. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for you that you might follow him and stay close to him. Let him lead you, but follow closely. Finally, not only he'll cover you, he'll continue to walk with you, but then Jesus will always confirm his love for you, and there's not a person in this world that doesn't need the confirming of God's love for them. Yesterday, I had the privilege of preaching the gospel, John three sixteen. Lord, what would you want to say to the people? It's very simple. God so loved the world. He loves you. That never gets old. It only goes deeper. He loves you. And he will confirm his love for you over and over and over again because we need to know that. We need to be confirmed. It's in our assurance of his love for us that we we rise to the occasions that face us and we blossom in the fruit that he gives to us in our lives because he loves us. And so I thought, you know, choose to let him correct you and then assure you don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, scourges every son whom he receives. Choose to let Jesus correct you. Now I'm thinking toward our next study, Peter. Let him question you. Let him call you out. But make sure to stick around long enough to hear him calling you back. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you, lo- you, know, do you know I love him? And then he was, Peter was dis- was, it really hit him hard when Jesus sort of lowered this, the the love. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He said then, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. I'm calling you, Peter. I've called you. I'm calling you back. Leave the boats, leave the fishing, and come and follow me. I'll make you fisher of men. After his de- denying him and weeping for his failure, I want to talk about that right now. But we'll wait for our next study. Be sure to stick around long enough to hear him say, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. And then you know what he said to Peter? Getting ahead of myself. He said, when you were young, you used to do whatever you wanted. That's what you were like. You've walked with me three plus years. You denied me three plus times. Because When you were young, you just did what you wanted to do. But when you're old, you're going to go to a death that you would never even think about doing at this time. And he did. Why? Because he knew that Jesus would cover him. He knew that Jesus would continue to walk with him. He knew the confirming love of Jesus for him. And he said, I'm all in. I'm all in. Such a contrast to the betrayal of Judas, by Judas. They're woven together by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the worship team come out? So our next study is the denial of Peter. And if you, if you want to read that, read verses 26 through 72 in chapter 14. Would you stand? Let's close in a worship song. I'll pray and we'll be dismissed.